0: Three,
1: two, two, one. Cody, be nice. Yo, Cody on the one, Dunny on the two. <laughs> Dunny on the one, Cody on the two. Nah, Cody on the one, Dunny on the two. <laughs> on the ones and twos. Cody, be nice, nice. Chinchilla nice. When you throw on these headphones, does it ever take you back to them days when you're just spinning those turt tables? You know? <laughs> Sp- spinning those turt tables in the pot? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, it does a little bit for sure. <laughs> yeah, like the big headphones. Yeah, it's always yeah. a good time. It's fun, man. Like uh, setting up recording equipment, and yeah. that kind of thing. Do yeah. the turntables ever wobble, but they don't fall down? Yeah, come on. It's good to see you, dummy. Good to see you. Back in Le Chateau. Back in Le Chateau.
1: I think you have an important thing to share with everyone <laughs> well, here. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't, but I've been getting lit up about spoiler alert. So, heads up, spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler if, alert. If you haven't heard Cody and I yeah. previously talk about Ted Lasso, we're going to talk about us talking about Ted Lasso. Dang, man, that's so meta. I wish I <laughs> call it Facebook. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. There you go. There you go. So
0: what's up? We have a spoiler alert about us talking about Ted yeah. Lasso? Yeah,
1: basically, uh, basically we uh, uh, spoiled it for people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you got lit up for this?
1: Oh, multiple times. Oh, dude, tell me about that. I don't know how you got out of it. Yeah, people being like, hey, you know that one yeah. time? Or people shooting a text being like, hey, listen to your podcast this morning yeah thanks a lot for letting me know that you were going to talk about ted lasso season two. Oh man
0: are they that kind about it
1: no <laughs> curse words yeah. yeah but thanks a lot of, yeah probably curse words
0: dang man i think well i think my theory is that no one in my life listens to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so
1: maybe that's why i don't get lit up you get lit up well i think i lost everyone that that was in my life to listen to it because they're out they're mad so we talked about ted lasso
0: yeah, and a couple
1: times, like, like a lot of times. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, like every yeah, time. Not a couple of times, <laughs> like eight, 10, 15 times. Yeah, conservative
0: estimate. And uh, spoiled some stuff, huh? Yeah. Ooh.
1: Uh, oh, no. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just feel bad. I, I got to own up to something right here, though. Uh-huh. So when people would confront me on this, I, at first I began to apologize. Yeah. And then um I found a really easy out. Yeah. Yeah. I told people that, you know, out of the two of us, I'm kind of the old old cantankerous one. Yeah. Like I shouldn't know about young hip stuff like spoiler alerts. <laughs> <laughs> so So I've yep. just been I've just been telling people that that's that's actually your <clears throat> neck of the woods. Like that's Oh, I see what you're, you're saying. the one responsible for I'm us. the one who should know that there's that there we <laughs> need to put out a spoiler alert.
0: Yes, i <laughs> yes Yes ma'am Yeah Yeah my thought there Is keep up Man Like the show's coming out Every Friday right Keep up Stay
1: on top of it <laughs> oh, I have I have little sympathy For people Did you handle it The way I handled <laughs> yeah. The whole shoogie Coogee Yes <laughs> I'm just gonna step into it And own it Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just not, It's not even owning it It's just yeah. like uh, yeah. yeah Criticizing Criticizing yeah, the criticism Yeah Yeah
0: no we spoiled it <laughs> Had you kept up It wouldn't have been
1: spoiled <laughs> yeah. Right? That's on you. Yeah. <laughs> Should I start retreating now? <laughs> we good? Well, I think we're good. I think we're safe. Oh, I don't have any uh, buttons that are like angry mob. Angry mob buttons. Here, here's my question, though. Are we now obligated to give spoiler alerts anytime that we talk about <laughs> I mean, it depends. If we take your approach, that's on them. <laughs> so no. So no,
0: we're good. See it's what they like then? Me
1: using, yeah. uh, I can't remember which one's right and wrong, but kuji or Chugi. Uh, Chug- Chugi, is Chugi is right. Chugi is <laughs> right. Chugi is right. Chugi's right. Oh, no, yeah, it's kuji. No, Kuji's <laughs> the one that we first said, and we offended every Gen Z. Yeah, well, ever. As long as you're okay oh. not using spoiler words, and I'm yeah. okay not using, uh, yeah. <laughs> just keep dropping the cooge and I'll just forget those uh, spoiler yeah. alerts. And um, yeah, oh, we even man. lost our moms as listeners. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're down to zero now. Anyhow, good night. <laughs> so, <laughs> I also told people this is our segue, yeah, but I also told people. Yeah, you probably should just skip over the first five minutes of every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like literally you're safe if you start at minute ten. Yeah. That should be where you're at. Yeah, you're safe, safe. Yeah. Minute fifteen. Yeah. Minute ten, you're pretty safe. Minute five, you're taking a real risk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's your own (laughs) risk. So if you're hearing this now,
0: that's on you. (laughs) That's on you. Once again. See what we did. (laughs) We do accept (laughs) responsibility, (laughs) Donnie. Oh, just man. modeling that ownership. Oh, yeah. That's how we do it. Just a couple beta males and with a psychology license from the state of Arizona, just <laughs> denying responsibility for anything. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Well done.
0: So uh, anyone that made it through thus far, what
1: do we got on the docket? Oh,
0: man. We got some good stuff. I mean, today, we're going Beyond Flag. Beyond Flag? Yeah. Beyond FLG with Emma Wharton. She's the uh, executive director for Grand Canyon Youth. Which is a nonprofit organization that offers educational outdoor expeditions that connect young people to the transformative power of the rivers and canyons of the Southwest.
1: Yeah. So di- lots of different combinations of youth, right? And they take down the river and they do different things like uh, look at the rocks and the stuff around. Man. Yeah. Cool opportunity for kids. Yeah, no doubt. So Emma, yeah. she talks a lot about that in the interview here, right? Yeah. Do you think I could pass for like a 15 year old, 16 year old, get in on one of these groups? Um. Based on height or, like, just kind of general demeanor and how you go through
0: the world? Yeah. 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 Developmentally? Developmentally? Yeah. 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 You could probably slide it. right in there. Yeah. 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 This guy's attitude is no different than anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Like when I locked you in the bathroom this morning? Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. At any rate, so uh, <laughs> Emma, she found herself in flagpole after earning a master's degree from the University of Washington. Hashtag? Go Huskies! Huskies, come on! Pack twelve, looking up to the big sky. She got that <laughs> uh, master's degree in social work with an emphasis in community development. Before that, she earned her bachelor's degree from the University of Utah. Yeah, up up there in the UT. Hashtag go Utes! Utes, yeah, come on! Yeah. All right, at the at the at the U. That's what I've heard you call it. Yeah, the U. At the, the, the U. She studied uh, negotiation, service learning, environmental education. Yeah. So after earning her master's degree, or actually at the very end of earning her master's degree, right, she found herself locating to flagpole Arizona nice to become the executive director of GCY. Yeah, had to make a split decision on that one, huh? Yeah, that was pretty fun to learn, to, to hear her talk about and learn yeah. about. That happened in 2003, and then in that time, she's played a pivotal role in the development of the nonprofit, just in terms of its value-based growth, in addition to contributing to the organization's success and working through the effects of the CVD19 pandemic's effects on the very type of service they engage with. Yeah. Did a lot of refocusing. No doubt. Three words that Emma would use to describe GCY are community, place, and discovery.
1: And if she could offer any advice to youth, what do you think she'd say, Dan? Ah, I got a pretty good idea of that. I think she'd say, remember to connect with the natural world, your community, and yourself as often as you can. Yeah, dang, man. It's like word for word. And if I wanted to find Emma
0: on her favorite river, where do you think I'd find her?
1: The, the river that she's on.
0: Yeah, come on. And when she's not at the river that she's on, she'd be at Cedar House Coffee right here in Flagpole. And she says, if, you're, if you were to ever run into her, the thing that you cannot do is eat tuna
1: fish in her presence. Oh, good to know. Found ourselves a pet peeve. Yeah, glad yeah. We, glad neither of us showed up with a tuna fish, fish sandwich when yeah. we recorded. Yeah, no doubt. So, for every GCY employee and staff member, uh, there's, there you go. Yeah, that's your director.
0: <laughs> yeah. You may lose your job if you show up with a tuna fish sandwich. Yeah, some of that star kissed, is that what it's called? You show up with that and bumblebee <laughs> tunas, and you are 99. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Emma, a person I've only ever heard positive things about, was a true pleasure to sit with, huh? Oh, certainly yeah for me this interview was a ton of bigly fun and so we hope that uh, our listeners are able to tune in and enjoy yeah so enjoy as we go beyond flag with Emma Wharton welcome to beyond flag a beyond the pines production created by with and for the people of Flagstaff building connection in the town we love we are your hosts Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, and Cody Bayliss, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice-Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go beyond flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory.
1: All right, here we are, back in Le Chateau with Emma Wharton. Yeah, welcome, Emma.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for coming. This jam's like two years in the making.
2: It kind of is.
0: Yeah. Th- we, Dory Beckley had referred you to us and said, this would be a great person to, to interview. And then I think we reached out shortly before COVID. I think you
2: did. And yeah. I was like, yeah, not now, but how about in a little bit? It's kind of yeah. busy in my world right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how about November, 2021? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
2: It's <laughs> the right time.
1: <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're stoked to have you. Long time coming. We're pumped to have you. Um, what is it? Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. What does your life look like day to day?
2: Well, those are two different questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I do, I'm the executive director of Green Canyon youth, a nonprofit based here in Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah. And we do, I think what we're known for is we do river trips with, um, primarily middle and high school students. Mm-hmm. Although we have some elementary students and some college age students and, I have been doing that job for 18 years. And it is the job that brought me to Flagstaff. And day to day, my uh, degree is in social work. I love adolescence. I think it is an amazing transformational time for young people. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my advisor, when I wanted to do this job, she said, you know, you won't be working with teens with this job very quickly. And I was like, I will always work with teens day to day, I don't work with teens.
1: Oh, really? No. Oh, I thought you were going to go the other direction. I thought you were going to say you proved it wrong.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have a teenager. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I work with teens every day, but from the parenting role. Um, so I think now at the beginning, I did a lot more yeah. and now I make the, um, try and make the magic happen for lots of other people. So lots of grant writing and management and visioning and some things that I still really love,
0: but Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. So was it like 2003 when you got in with GCY? It was
2: 2003.
0: Wow. Um, When you first started, I'm wondering how that, what that was like at that time compared to now.
2: Well, I had worked as a river guide for about 10 years at that point, a commercial guide um, in the summers. And in the winters, I went, I um, had been a park ranger and then I ended up working a lot um, inpatient uh, direct care with teenagers, battered women's shelter, like a lot of direct care. So I'd literally go from being locked up in the winter to being totally free and no doors in the summers and was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life sort of thing (laughs) and thought I wanted to be a high school counselor. So I was pursuing my master's in social work um, with a um, thinking about all uh, that master's in social work. And kind of figuring out what was going to come next. It was I had a whole quarter of school left. And my friend, who is a river guide with me, who I had spoken my dreams to, I said, I would really love to combine what I do on the river with young people. How do I do that? I don't know. I don't think it exists. And she called me up and she said, your dream job is online. You should check it out. So I went and looked it up and said, oh, I'll apply. Uh I'm not going to get this job. I had never been boating in Grand Canyon. So I'd been a river guide for 10 years, but never Mm -hmm. down in Grand Canyon. And so, um, applied and they said, we would love to have you. However, um, we can't pay to get you here for the interview, but we really want to interview you. And I Mm -hmm. said, okay, I'll come for the interview and check Mm -hmm. it out. So I came for the interview and it was such a great interview because I had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And so I, interviewed for the job and talked about the things that I was really passionate about and they offered me the job and I remember I was flying back because it was finals week and I was flying back and they called and said, we'd love to offer you the job but we need you to start in two weeks. Um, Can you let us know in two days? And I was like, what? Like I have (laughs) over a year and a half invested in grad school. Um, My partner at the time, which is now my husband, I was like, what about Flagstaff? Like what? What do you mean move? And just remember like having kind of a a little bit of a minor panic attack on the airplane Um, and like sitting next to this really awesome person who was like, are you okay? And I was like, (laughs) I'm not sure I'm okay. And like striking up a conversation on the airplane and uh, going and talking to an advisor and saying, Hey, what about, like, could I finish school? Um, And so ended up coming to flag, um, living at a hotel for a couple months um, and finishing, and I knew no one in flag, like yeah, I didn't know yeah. a soul and being really like fish out of water and like trying to finish grad school. I put together my desk, bought my computer, like there had never been an executive director of Grand Canyon youth before. Hmm. So it was a really beginning, um, place to, to just be able to create, but also really terrifying, um, yeah. in that way. So that's kind of how I got here. <laughs>
1: Well, that's why we invited you on today. We actually have that passenger on the airplane. We invited them here today to come back and see what you've made of yourself in the past 18 years.
2: Wouldn't that be so cool?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's like kind of like our Ellen moment. huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, so many questions. Yes. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, for me, I'm just thinking of like taking that jump. It seems like that would have been a really big step to take. It seems like leap of faith kind of situation.
2: Oh, in so many different ways. I mean, I'd been working as a full-time commercial river guide Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it was like, wait, I'm not going to be on the river as much. And Mm -hmm. that is a place where I I still continue to feel the most myself, the most alive. And so, yeah, Uh, and community building, you know, um, those river, the people that I worked on the river with were like, and continue to be like my family. Mm-hmm. Like we're still all in touch and, you know, do things in lots of different places. But, um, and so kind of, uh, that was really hard. Also my first season, um, I remember, you know, recruiting the youth to go on the trip and, uh, the first we we're in Kenyan trip and we did a, the ropes course over at NAU. And like, I remember saying the F word on the on the reps course. Cause I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, Oh gosh, am I like, I'm now this executive director person, like yeah. identity of like who I am and, and mm. that kind of thing. And then my mom was also diagnosed with, um, ovarian cancer my first season. Oh. So it was like family wow. trauma and identity of who I am. And I got to build this organization all happening like all at the same time. And so, yeah, I would say 2003, 2004 were really big years for me and um, my G.C.Y. trajectory. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you say leap of faith, and I was like, yeah. yes, there was lots of leaping, for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> lots of leaping, lots of faithing, bouncing. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot to, to process. So uh, did you get to go on the river at that point, and has that evolved to not getting to go on the river as much? or?
2: Great question. So that year, um, because my mom was sick, I, and it was kind of a, a emergent thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on the upper half. I like flew to where she was and my family all convened to say, what is the next foreseeable future mm-hmm. look like for our family? Mm-hmm. So I flew back from that mm-hmm. and I hiked in to a river trip with a new group of students. So, um, I always feel like that was kind of weird to hike into the middle of Mm -hmm. the trip. Mm -hmm. But I remember going on that trip and oh, like, if, if you have been in Grand Canyon, like Mm -hmm. your first time, um, being on the river, like running Horn Creek, you're like, what is this? Mm -hmm. It was very different. And then the person I was riding on the baggage boat at the time. And he said, do you want to row hermit? And I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) And I just remember like rowing Hermit for the first time and like creating that connection to Grand Canyon and being like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then also on that trip, um, there was a paddle boat and the person running the paddle boat lost her voice and no one else had ever run a paddle boat. And I had run tons of paddle boats and I was like, I'll run the paddle boat. Uh And so running a paddle boat with these youth um, and it was a bucket boat and like a pretty small boat. And I didn't know the runs. to. I had never been there before and was running a paddle boat and loved it. And um, especially just, I mean, I still am in contact probably with four of the the youth from that trip who are now grown humans with kids and lives and careers. But it was like a very powerful experience. Um, And with this like life change that was happening, just having that, place to be like in a place that I loved so much and just grounding in like, wow, this is my job and my life now Mm -hmm. was really powerful. So, um, I went on that trip and then the first couple of years I would go on, um, as many trips as I could. Um, but pretty early on, we also, because of a lot of things, we my niece came to live with us. So I became a foster parent um, and my husband didn't live here. There were lots of kind of uh, factors coming into mm-hmm. play that made it harder to go mm-hmm. on the river. Mm-hmm. So then my niece would come with me mm-hmm. on the river on some of those early trips as sort of, I would say, like a mascot. Like, this is what we got. And so did a lot more trips in the early days than I do now, um, especially once having kids. It was harder to want to be gone for Mm -hmm. as long Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say through that time like also being able to connect with this experience through other people Mm -hmm. so through um, field staff or guides or other um, staff and so kind of allowing sort of that alchemy of what Grand Canyon Youth is Mm -hmm. to move beyond just me being there being the one that created the magic and being the one to be able to kind of help create the factor so that other people could create the magic. So I think that answered your question. Yes, I do some GCY trips.
1: (laughs) Oh, that did. It's so so crazy to listen to. Like, man, you keep throwing in these little snippets, like taking in your niece, your husband, I don't know, work or otherwise, (laughs) not here, your mom going through cancer, you uh, (laughs) rafting down the Grand Canyon for the first time uh, rowing and then taking it on the paddle boat first experience down the grand Canyon. Yeah. And, and also first experiencing being the executive director, Emma, she's down
0: for anything, down for anything, man. The image that jumped in my mind are those stress surveys that are like in the past six months, have you, you know, and then you check the boxes. And in my mind, I'm just like, check 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 check, 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 check. check. Yeah.
2: indeed those yeah. were very much all there yeah.
0: yeah i'm wondering like the thing that kept your feet on the ground through all that was it the work itself was it the connection to other people like you mentioned and was it the the river what all contributed to managing those times that sounds bananas it was bananas
2: yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna think about that for a second I think being a river guide prepares you, like I'd been a river guide for so long. I think it prepares you to just deal with what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, right? It's raining. Mm-hmm. Cool, we gotta make dinner. Cool, we're gonna figure it out. So <laughs> yeah. I think that definitely like contributed to just being like, okay, this this is the run that I'm on. Like I gotta just run it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say like Flagstaff as a community just embrace. like I found community here really fast and that some of that was mm. within like one of the founders of GCY um has become a very dear, dear friend and um helped like I don't know, just helped me to create connections here. And then just a really welcoming place. And so I think that too of of being really committed to the work, but mm-hmm. and also being em- enveloped in the grand canyon guiding community There's it's it's a really beautiful and fraught um community and i love like and and i was embraced into it um early on and that was really special so um yeah and then i'm stubborn i'm probably pretty stubborn <laughs> um and i cared deeply about the work and and figuring out and building like what do we want this to be who do we Mm -hmm. want to serve why do we want to serve them Mm -hmm. what does it mean to run a nonprofit? you know like at the beginning i was like i don't really know what that means and Mm -hmm. so kind of working through and figuring that out has been really um exciting Mm -hmm. i'm not bored at my job
0: Mm -hmm. ever yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'd imagine what's it been like answering some of those questions over the last 18 years
2: Like which questions? Yeah. Like
0: the one as far as like, what's it like to, what what does it mean to run a a nonprofit? Mm. Uh, Almost like, what do we want to be about as GCY? What does it mean to serve these kids and that sort of thing?
2: Yeah. I think for me, I'm going to go back in my life to where Mm -hmm. that came from. I think, um, reflection has always been not always, but has become more of a bigger part of my life. I did at the university of Utah, um, was in the Lowell Benyon Community Service Center there Mm -hmm. and did a lot of like service learning. And so thinking about like service with and not service for, Mm -hmm. and like what is this, like instead of thinking about GCY being this product that we're trying to deliver, it was really like how do we create the space for people to come to this where they are and develop uh, their own relationship with the river? And so I think... Social work background, I think service learning background, I think there were all these great things at play that made it like, I don't want it to be only this cookie cutter thing of like, get kids outside, do it that way. It was really Mm. being on the river, such a gift. And so I want it to be and stay a gift and not only be like a box that people check, like, sweet, you went on the river, check the box, move along. Like, I knew and had experienced that it was so much more, and thankfully had this like other synergy of other things to make it want to be something a little bit more, which is also probably the Achilles heel. Like, I'm oh, like, I was in a meeting this morning, and they're like, yeah, status quo and GCY, it doesn't seem like they really go together. And I'm like, <laughs> no, maybe they should. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. Dory would probably say that too. She'd be like, you're always wanting to do it one little bit better instead of like, oh yeah, let's just do this one thing. Like, let's always ask the question. I think um, curiosity is one of the values that I have and one of Mm. the values of GCY. And so I think that's probably contributed to answering those questions. Mm. And I think it's changed. I think there's like the nuts and bolts of um, running a nonprofit. I'm pretty frustrated with like nonprofit kind of the structure and the way right. that it's set up. And so I like to approach problems with creativity. And so like, how can I be creative in the way that we run a nonprofit mm-hmm. moving forward? So it doesn't just feel rote, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, you're speaking of the value of curiosity and I was looking at GCY's values generally. Mm -hmm. It seems like I'd be curious to know a little bit more about the values of GCY and how do you experience those in your own personal life? And then how do those like show up in the, in the nonprofit as well? Ha ha.
2: Well, those are relatively new. Are they? Yeah. It was a COVID project. Ooh. I know. So it was interesting over time we were you know you think values or or culture like just is very organic and we had a mission statement and our mission statement hadn't changed in 20 years wow. 20 plus years okay. and some of the language in there were like is it you know still relevant and um see all the previous things i just said <laughs> and uh we didn't run any expeditions in 2020. Um, and that was really hard because Mm -hmm. it was like, that's our purpose. And so we have this time, what do we want to do with this time? And so it was a really great time for us, um, in community with the board to pause and say, what are our values? What are, what is our vision? What are we actually trying to do here? Um, and so it was a really, uh, it was a really fascinating process working through like which values and then thinking about the language and the power that language has. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we're still kind of getting used to them Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, and wanting to live within them Mm -hmm. um, and exploring what they mean to us. Mm -hmm. So if they would have been around for a long time, I might have a different answer, but I'm like, they're, they feel both like really authentic in our 20 plus years Mm -hmm. and also really new to Mm -hmm. have as a touchstone of, of, um,
0: value. Yeah. Yeah. It's like COVID kind of provided the opportunity to name them a little bit. These things that were maybe already evident in the, in the organization and what you're doing
2: and that we wanted to strive for as well, because there's a lot of pressures (laughs) to be certain things and
0: Yeah. Well it seems like clarifying the vision and the values during COVID was a like a really good project to take on. I would be curious to know about, I mean, again, I was referencing us reaching out to you or like right before the pandemic Mm -hmm. started. I would be curious to know what it was like for GCY, uh March 2020,
2: right? Oh my gosh. Um, it was the most challenging time of my professional career and probably personal, Mm -hmm. um, just because there were all of those things were happening at once. And so you know, it started. We had a group that was coming from Washington, and that's where the pandemic sort of flared up first. I mm-hmm. would say. Oh yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And so we had a group coming, and we were like, "Wait, is this?" Gonna, and they canceled, and we're like, "Wait, is this going to be a thing?" Mm-hmm. Right? And everybody's kind of asking those same questions. And then it was. Then we had a group from color, Like, like the dominoes slowly started to fall, mm-hmm. and it was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. And then we have um, some really great advisors on our board who are in the medical field or, um, you know, have some different insight. And so we're like convening being like, what, what are, what should we do Mm -hmm. and how to move out of that reactive space? Because I think for a lot of people, it was a very (laughs) reactive space. Like, oh, you go into spring break and you're like, okay. And then Oh, there's no school. There's no like yeah. you. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> like yeah. Well, we both. You knew, both know yeah. of your parents. Like, yeah. oh my gosh! Yeah. Like, how am I going to work? How am I going to do all of these things? And uh, so then we were like, how do we move from this really reactive space into a more responding space? And how do we step back and really think about what do we want to? How do we best serve our community in this time and ourselves? And it was interesting. I think the reflection now is like, we kept waiting for someone else, like another nonprofit to go or -hmm. like someone to like go on the dance floor first and cancel. Yeah. Because it just kept like, we kept having to cancel on people and that felt really terrible. Uh And so we're like, okay, Uh how do we do this? And Mm -hmm. so that's where like one of my personal values is courage. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, Mm -hmm. okay, do we do this? And are we courageous? And, and we just let a lot of kids down yeah,
1: yeah.
2: and a lot of parents down and a lot of schools. down. like, that feels really hard because we didn't know what we know now. And so I just remembered that like, like my hands shaking, getting ready to hit send to like send, like we called all the stakeholders and different things, but to like put it public out there was like, yeah. And then really knowing like it was the right thing to do and we heard a lot of folks saying great job. Like yeah. thank, thank mm-hmm. you for stepping out first because that made it easier for us. Yeah. Um and then just the unknown like we refunded all of the the participant fees that we got because mm-hmm. we didn't know what families were going to go through mm-hmm. and even though that was really potentially terrifying to us to be like this is a half of our revenue source, Mm. our participant fees. Mm -hmm. And so to lose that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was also just the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, I still remember like trying to figure out Zoom, (laughs) like like connecting with, like I'm running, like leading a team and being like, how do we have a staff meeting? How do we work from home? How do we make those decisions? Um, So it was a very, very challenging time. And I'm really proud of, how we worked through it together as a team both with the board and with the staff yeah. um and to do the right thing and then just trust that like the previous time was going to get us like through and that yeah. people really wanted what we were um doing in the community once we were able to do it safely yeah. so yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you bring back memories of just the uncertainty of that whole period and like uh, not knowing how to respond or, or whether to respond and then um, making decisions like that felt so scary. So and, scary. And you you all went away from doing what you all knew, but you also then used that time to reflect like what is our vision, what is our mission, our values. So it wasn't like um, just letting go of the connection to GCY. It was saying we can't do the thing that we traditionally find rewarding and offer people or generate revenue from. Right. So, we'll just reset and try and respond instead of react. Yeah.
2: Well, and I felt really proud too because we were like a lot of folks were like we're going to go and do these virtual things and mm. we're like virtual is just almost antithetical to <laughs> what our mission is. But then it was like, everybody's doing it. Like, yeah. so how do we do that? And like that kind of back and forth. And so I think that some of the ways that we chose to do some virtual type programming yeah. to be able to try and remain connected to youth, we also were like this, we're going to do this within this frame of, yeah. we're not going to recreate ourselves to do virtual river trips. Like, nope, mm. can't, nope, not, can't, nope. <laughs> um and so that was, uh, I think the other thing I was really proud of in that time and that was really professionally challenging is, you know, we have 70 to 100 field staff guides and drivers mm-hmm. that we had already scheduled. Like they mm-hmm. were planning on this work and that funding. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I know what this is going to do to these folks that I care Deeply about, I mean, some are alumni, some I took on trips when they were like 12, you know, and so was like, oh, I really want to make sure to take care of them. And so worked with um, a couple other agencies where it was more in their wheelhouse um, to say, hey, what are we going to do for guides? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's like all the outfit, like everybody's panicking. And I'm like, what about the, like, these are our people. Mm -hmm. And so um, worked and put together the throwback fund. Um, with two other agencies and we distributed we raised and distributed over seventy thousand yeah, dollars for right. um, field staff yeah. um, not just at Grand Canyon Youth but just in the community at whole yeah. for that really uncertain time they didn't know that the canyon was going to open up in June yeah. and they had bills to pay and um, so I felt really proud about keeping that finger on the pulse of taking care of the community and like how do we create connection and time in that so
1: Certainly, certainly. You know, related to kind of um, re-exploring those values, I, I had a question there on, on your website. Um, it says that in service to the mission and values, GCY would like to acknowledge that we are located and visit the ancestral homelands of the indigenous peoples that live in that area um, and say essentially we recognize with gratitude the people who have stewarded these lands since the time uh, immemorial and uh, the vibrant native communities who make their home here today. Yeah. How do you, how do you balance that juxtaposition? That's a tricky area to do this thing that provides so much for people, but is also occurring on land that uh, other people occupied. Um, yeah. How do you balance that?
2: I think balance is the right word Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I think, we're still figuring. If I if I said we had that figured out, you would also be like, you're lying. I think all for everyone,
1: right? Yeah.
2: Right, and so I would say that what's been really um, good is to continue to like work through that journey, and mm-hmm. so. We have our Justice Equity Diversity Inclusion Council, our Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of fun with Star Wars metaphors, for sure. Yeah, very that's good. a good one. Come on, Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, like yeah, our report has like Star Wars themed things because humor. <laughs> like when you're doing any kind of DEI work, I think you need to have a little bit of humor because yeah. it gets hard real yeah, fast. Yeah. Um, and so we've been working on that, you know, working together for a couple of years, and so we're talking a lot about actually when the river closed was mm-hmm. the impetus to start really talking about land acknowledgement mm-hmm. because the um, Havasupai asked that people not come, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was very controversial within the Greenkinning community, I will say, and for mm-hmm. us it was like no brainer, mm-hmm. but then it was like, oh, we need to like if we're even driving people across, you know Navajo Nation. Is that okay? You know, so asking really hard questions, Mm -hmm. um, and then developing a land acknowledgement. What we didn't want to do is just have a really nice statement on our website Mm -hmm. because nice statements are nice, but the work is harder. Mm -hmm. And so we developed that. And then we did training as part of, we call it our season opener, Um, And one of our Jedi Council members, um, Sheree Danetzosi, who has a podcast herself, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Anywho, she did the training on um, land acknowledgement. And then we piloted it this year and said, let's see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The feedback is all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like, we're so grateful that you're doing this. This is really good. And this is harmful. Stop doing it. And so it's been really... I think that what we learned in doing it and continue to learn is that just like being on the river and having sand everywhere and being a little dry and uncomfortable, like being uncomfortable is actually like a very valuable um, catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the uncomfortability of talking about land acknowledgement Mm -hmm. Is, the, is where we begin. Mm-hmm. And so we are now going, okay, well, now what does that look like for, how do we shift the way that we train about this or the way that we talk about it? And how do we help folks to navigate through some of those uncomfortable conversations? Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit better. So we're still figuring mm-hmm. it out because mm-hmm. exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Also, outdoor recreation is a very white space mm-hmm. yeah, and a very privileged space. And one that I think that, uh, how do we create m- more equity and access mm-hmm. for outdoor, um, yeah, for people from a lot of different backgrounds mm-hmm. to experience what I think is wonderful, but mm-hmm. then I think it wonderful as a white person. I don't need to have that be the same for, for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so um, we ran our first all-Indigenous youth um Trip through Main- Mainstem Grand Canyon. We'd run lots of all Indigenous youth trips on the San Juan and mm-hmm. other places, and then just through serendipity had this opportunity to have an all Indigenous youth trip. And I think it's the first that I have been able to find um, in Mainstem Grand Canyon. And wow, did we learn a lot both in the lead up, like how do you mm-hmm. navigate COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a lot of thinking around that, and then what came up for the youth on that trip that was different Mm -hmm. than came up for youth on the other trip that was on the river at the same time as them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot related to um, ancestral lands and their connection to lands um, Mm and, and really being open to both the feedback of how amazing it was Mm -hmm. and how challenging it was. Mm -hmm. And so We're going to hopefully do two all-Indigenous youth trips in 2022. That's what the plan is. Mm -hmm. And so being really open to working and letting those be as Indigenous-led as possible Mm -hmm. so that we aren't the only folks um, facilitating or, what is the word I'm looking for? Like framing those experiences. Yeah, taking the
1: lead. Yeah, framing it. What a great word to actually have have them have the input to dictate how it goes. And so gradually you can grow to a space where more and more of that is taken on.
2: Totally. Um, And that's one of the things I love about GCY and that makes it kind of tricky is that almost every trip we do, we say, what do the people coming, what are they hoping to get out Mm -hmm. of it? So that it's that reverse design instead of saying, you will learn about the riparian Mm -hmm. and the, like, instead of the box Mm -hmm. checking, it's really that invitation into what do you, what are you hoping to get out Mm -hmm. of this experience? Mm -hmm. And so there's hopefully some of that ownership or co-creation. And I think in this way, that's even more important. Um, I think Our role is to help to hopefully open up access in a different way that hasn't been there or those expertise that we bring, because we've been Mm -hmm. doing it for a long time, um, logistics, and then just being able to really listen and say, how how do you want to, you know, utilize this incredible experience for reflection, transformation, connection?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of feedback did you get from the trip that was led that was all indigenous versus one that wasn't?
2: what do you mean by feedback? I could answer that in like five
0: ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it seemed like you're describing this process, like the service with approach is kind of how it was mm, in my yeah. mind, right? And then it seemed like um, framing, using their the experience of them, I guess I'm wondering like how did they speak about it, similar or different to other trips, mm. the folks on the indigenous uh,
2: trip? yeah. I would say not being on the trip, so this is with my frame once mm-hmm. removed. Okay. Um, I would say that what was some of the really key takeaways that were interesting were it was an intertribal trip. Okay. And so for the youth to have this space to explore what even tribal affiliation meant for them mm-hmm. um, and then even within that, you know, are they traditional? are they non-traditional? So there was a lot of like, forming and storming of that group, even though they came from, from an outside perspective, all the same, like affinity group, right? Like a lot around that. And then I think um, cultural weight and expectation of that place Mm -hmm. um, that they heard from their family members or other folks of like the importance of this experience in a different context than potentially the other trip that did have I think one or two um, indigenous youth on it. They're both um, partners in science trips and then science and like what a Western (laughs) colonial kind of frame to then have that be part Mm -hmm. of the trip. So there was like, there were a couple of scientists on the trip and so they're doing this science and they're like, why are we doing this science? Who is this for? Mm We, and so some of that questioning, that was really valuable both for the scientists, Mm -hmm. like the scientists got a lot out of that trip too. Mm -hmm. Um, that didn't maybe happen on the other trip in the same way. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, science, this is like, we are helping to take care of the place in this way. Mm -hmm. And so kind of a cultural taking care of the place um, compared to maybe a more like scientific way of taking care of the place. Yeah, in a Western European way.
1: And so, uh, yeah, I think in all of this, you said something a few minutes ago where, it, it kind of requires being uh, allowing yourself to exist in a space that's uncomfortable by yourself, like you, the staff, um, the actual uh, group Gcy, to allow yourselves to be uncomfortable, to have dialogue back and forth, and then out of that move forward and adapt where you get feedback that's um, able to be applied. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And then what was great is like from the trip they came back and it was like it was really hard. And I was like, oh, you know, like, yeah. I was like oh, and they're like, we have to do it again. Yeah, Like we have to do it again. Yeah. And so I think that's what the river does is yeah. like, it's, yeah. It's like a it's, great unifier. It's a great unifier. I used to joke, like you, if you have money on the river, it doesn't matter. Cause you just will burn it to keep warm. There's nowhere to spend it. And mm-hmm. so, and I also think just that uh, disconnection from so many things that are so prevalent in our lives, phones, oh my God, phones, um, like, you know, kids not having phones on, on expedition is, and actually adults not having phones on expedition. Yeah. It, like, cause now you have, you know, there's spot devices and sat phones and like lots of different ways. Like, so you have to sort of choose to disconnect um, a bit more, I think. Mm, yeah. than you did even when I started guiding, you know, Mm -hmm. a few years ago now.
0: Yeah. That brings that does bring up a question for me. I'm thinking back to 2003, you know, it's not that far removed from nine 11 cell phones are like kind of coming out the flip phone and that sort of thing. And I'm almost wondering the difference that you see with teenagers at that time in Mm -hmm. 2003, when you were running the river, um, versus now, what kinds of differences have you seen?
2: Well, I would say I see a lot of um, things similar. I think it's still just like this transformative time. Mm-hmm. I would also say I think it's harder for in my experience we see participants have a harder time leaving their devices mm. behind um and some anxiety around that like well yeah. where is it going to be okay what do you mean I'm not wait what <laughs> um and so I would say maybe that's a really obvious one being able to get into a space of play it kind of depends a little bit on where they're coming from and what Mm -hmm. their maybe family of origin is a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think I see more similarities probably than difference. I still see it being this, like, you know, Mm -hmm. who do I want to be and who do I want to be in relation to myself and in relation to this group and in relation to this place? Like, I think that's still pretty constant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was wondering also, what around just like language around mental health? Do you hear it talked about any different now than before? Is
2: oh, it the same? heck yeah. Yeah. What? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I think a little bit, that's the trajectory of GCY and um, for like the types of um, expeditions that we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is more talk about mental health um, than there used to be. Um, when And so like, for example, now I think we're in year three or year four, what is time? Um, <laughs> But we started working with um, the Healing Lands program. Um, Annette McGivney wrote a book called Pure Land and came to me and said, hey, I really want to, I think that nature heals trauma. Hmm. Can we do a trip around that? And I have this partner that we want to work with. And I was like, heck, yeah, let's do that. That sounds amazing. How are we going to do that? And let's, you know, so we, um, that first trip, you know, they're clinically supported um, trips. And, you know, so there's mental health practitioners on the trip with the the participants. But sometimes for those mental health practitioners, they're on a river trip that is outside of what they are trained to be, you know, and what's happening there. And so uh, really, really recognized early on that, there's like translation of experience between these different realms of like traditional mental health like whether that's group therapy or individual therapy and then this like outdoor setting and then feedback from our field staff saying hey we want to stay in our lane and we're having kids disclose stuff to us or How do we do that well? And how do we do some training around that? And so a couple of years ago, I got some grant funding so that our field staff could do mental health first aid training. And so we've done that, but it is not totally applicable to the wilderness setting. And so I think that there's wilderness therapy programs. We're not a wilderness therapy program Mm -hmm. by design. And mental health and mental health issues are prevalent a lot whether it is on a healing lens trip or a middle school trip and so really seeing it being brought up more and then um lots of requests for more training from our field staff so that they can both know how to support appropriately um youth on expedition and then after
0: yeah yeah, I was thinking that, I mean, the research, right, the statistics on mental health disorder prevalence and teenagers is just skyrocketing and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I would think naturally being forced to be in a different environment, that uh, um, kids and, and teenagers would come face to face with that in a, in a different way.
2: Yeah, I think we see it a little bit. Um, well, and sometimes it's so interesting because I feel like you look through the roster, like the you know trip list or whatever, and you're like, oh, these are all like the diagn- Like, and So we do a lot of like the pre-trip preparation, like, mm-hmm. okay. And sometimes it's those kids, but sometimes it's like behaviors emerge. And I think that we talk a lot about like the fight or flight response. And mm-hmm. so you'll get a really oppositional kid and that's their response to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to work through that and show up to them so that you're not creating a lot of like,
1: I don't yeah. know, resistance yeah. and,
2: and um, I don't know, standoffs or power struggles and how to sort of meet them where they are so that they can work through that and then mm-hmm. still have a really mm-hmm. great experience. Um, and then I think what <laughs> happens sometimes is, you know, we'll be debriefing a trip and the the guides will say, Yeah, they just didn't get anything out of it. Like they were just oppositional the whole time and Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I can think of one um, expedition actually this summer and they're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a really great mission match. I don't know if they really wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And then like two weeks after the trip, we hear all of this feedback from the collaborator (laughs) of like how much this changed their you know their participants you know outlooks and views and behaviors and like their way that they're integrating the experience and then to be able to report back and say actually all that struggle that you went through (laughs) to get them to get to drink water or to go on a hike or like just work through some of just the challenges of like keeping people healthy out there like it did make a difference um in a way and you don't always see that in in um On expedition, sometimes you do,
1: um,
2: and those are amazing times. And sometimes you don't.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Sometimes in the moment, sometimes in auto.
1: Yeah, yeah. I experience that on the daily with Cody. Just uh, it's a constant battle. It's a lot of seed planting. I feel like, like, uh, yeah, I feel like there's little to no progress, and then I'll hear feedback from his wife that he's actually making gains, and will never be, still never be on time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Ah, such cool stories. I wonder, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but I wonder, you know, what's one of the most um, invigorating experiences you've had on the river? So whether it was through something that felt a little risky in the moment or something that just was super inspiring, but what's, what's been one of the most invigorating experiences on the river?
2: Well, we do not have enough time. I don't know if I can pick (laughs) one because it kind of depends on like invigorating. Yeah. Um, let me think.
1: I tried to use a vague term because really, I really want to hear the most dangerous experience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes those things go together for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, hmm, it's so funny. I feel like maybe because we just talked about it. I go back to like my very first Mm -hmm. trip and Mm -hmm. running that paddle boat, And, um, coming up on a rapid that I didn't know at the time was of any significance, um, called Dubendorf. And we had been working together as a paddle crew for a little bit. And so we're like, okay, we got this. And then like getting in the rapid and Mm -hmm. just being lost. And it's like land of the lost, which dates me, right? Like that movie where they're just like, or that TV show where they're like going through the cave and they're just like spinning around, like, where are we? And then they end up in land of the dinosaurs. That's kind of what it felt like in the middle of the (laughs) rapid for me. And so we're like, "Ah!" and like, I called a hold on. Like, you don't call a hold on unless you're like, what is going on? And so, you know, all the, the youth are just like holding on, going through this rapid and, like getting to the bottom and being like, oh, "We didn't flip. Are we okay?" Yeah. And just like the cheers and and um, just invigorating mm-hmm. experience um, being with that group of youth, mm-hmm. um, and maybe just because I was just thinking about it, like mm-hmm. that was one of the things that popped into into my mind.
1: Um, yeah,
2: in that way. Um, but then I feel like invigorating is also. Um, these like really quiet moments
1: mm-hmm.
2: with because I think everybody thinks of river trips of like yeah the, you know the gnar and like the great <laughs> rapids and so shred the Nar. I want to like create the balance yeah. to that of <laughs> uh, I think about sitting up in Kenab Creek, which is this oh I wish, like indescribable beautiful beautiful side canyon and yeah. just being there and, um, being quiet with a group of youth and like no one saying like, we will now be quiet for Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but just like, Hey, we're going to hang out here for a little bit. And for teenagers who like, I love to joke, like you can put a group of teenagers in a white room. They are going to have an experience, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Like they are going to, (laughs) And so actually that time to like just be quiet and like be in place and be in community and place quietly is probably is like super invigorating because you come up and you're like, oh, like I we're just in community and we don't have to talk about it, process it, do all of the things. And I think like that is something that's really special about the river too, is like both the like, wow, we made it through the rapid and this like natural quiet. Both of those are not like manipulated, like Mm -hmm. they just happen. Mm -hmm. And then I think trying to create that space to then reflect on those and say, okay, how is this relevant to our everyday lives? And like, what are those like gifts of the river that we can take with us? Mm -hmm. But I'm invigorated by both of those, Mm -hmm. (laughs) those experiences, the quiet and the adventurous parts.
0: How were you introduced to the river? How old were you? Where were you? What river?
2: What a great question. Um, I'm going to answer it in two ways. Sure. Um, I did, I was very, very privileged to grow up in a family that did outdoor things, not really on rivers per se. Um, In fact, my first commercial trip, I think, was kind of not a very fun trip by what I remember. There was like some family conflict and things. Um, But I loved, we would do these... um, Canoe trips on the Labyrinth Stillwater section of the green. And I remember singing songs with my mom from the Little Mermaid and like floating downstream, just like the water's warm, just floating downstream, dragging our canoes behind us. And that is one of my favorite memories of my mom for sure. And like the river and the love there. But that's not what made me be a river guide. Like that's Mm -hmm. just a really incredible experience on the river. Mm What made me want to be a river guide was um, an alternative spring break um, trip through the U, University of Utah. The U. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was, I signed up, I was a senior and my best friend and I were like, oh, this will be a cool spring break thing. We'll go run the San Juan and do this service project and build trails and I'll be cool. Mm -hmm. And so went and it was one of those like, Magical groups of people um, that don't happen on every trip, but when they do, it's so, so, so special. And I got to row for (laughs) like, anyway, I got to row for the first time and was like, I love this. Mm. And I loved it for a couple of reasons. One, I felt like in university, I always wanted a skill, I was like, you can learn lots of knowledge. But what's a skill? And so I had um, chosen negotiation and arbitration as my minor or my major um, because I wanted a skill. And so getting out there on the river, I'm like, I want this skill. Mm. I want to feel really confident, like getting the boat downstream Mm. and like doing all of the things. And so my um, best friend and I were like, let's be river guides for the summer.
1: Mm. And here we are.
2: (laughs) And here we are. And like try it out for the company I worked for, for a long time. And there were very few women that worked there mm-hmm. and, you know, so it was super intimidating and we didn't know if we were going to get hired and we got hired and yeah, it wasn't, yeah, here we are. It wasn't one summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So what, yeah. When you did that, when you took that first summer, yeah, just, it was everything you thought of the first time that you would
2: the very first trip, like I'm being very real in this. I yeah. hope that's okay. But the very first trip I did, I was sexually harassed by the trip later. Uh, and like, I was like, what? Like after this amazing trip and was like, was on my way back to be like, oh no, we're not doing this. And mm-hmm. I am done and we're, we're good. And like, I was going to quit. Mm-hmm. And we got, um, I got dropped off cause they're trying to train you. And so I got dropped off, um, I kind of like this in-between point and went on a San Juan trip mm-hmm. and, um, the owner of the company was actually on the San Juan trip, um, which is not totally relevant, but there was another woman guide who is still my friend to this day. Mm-hmm. And she, like her perspective of the river and like just riding with her. Um, and I was like, oh, it can be like this okay. And so came back and still was like, Hey, this happened. Like, what are, how are we going to address this? Mm -hmm. And I, I think I'll have a place here. Um, and so it was a hard first year. I also think like, as a person, I really like to feel competent. There are 150 million different ways to feel incompetent. Um, (laughs) learning to be a river guide anytime. In fact, if you start feeling really confident, you're probably doing it wrong. Cause Good. like you'll, I mean, I still learn. And so I think, um, it was really challenging for me that first year. Um, but I, I think maybe because of that, I was like, I will, I'm going to get better at this. Mm-hmm. And I want to prove to myself and to others that, um, I can do this and, um, and be competent. And it's really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let's not lie. It's really fun mm-hmm. yeah. and hard work, but
0: We just did this podcast the other day on imposter syndrome and there was this quote that ignorance begets confidence more so than does knowledge
2: a hundred percent oh i love that
0: yeah and so when you're describing it like there's 150 million ways to feel incompetent on the river i think yeah and if you start to think that you got it it's probably not might be going down the wrong road huh
2: we call it second year guide syndrome there's a name for it
1: oh yeah it's those, uh yeah it's like the juniors That's in college so, yeah. they just got exactly. it all, got all, all dialed We got it, it
2: oh let me tell you how you're doing you're doing it wrong
0: yeah okay okay, okay. second yeah. year yeah yeah <laughs> Um one question too. I'd be curious to know just over the course of time, is the experience for women in that setting, is it improving in any way?
2: I would say in my opinion, yes. Okay. Um, I think are we all the way there yet? No.
0: Got a ways to go. Got
2: a little ways to go. But okay. from where I started, um, yeah. there are so many more women um as guides now mm-hmm. um, than there were when I started. And I feel really lucky the company I worked for ended up doing these women's trips that had like yoga and massage as part of them. And they were always, so they had to hire more women uh-huh. to do these trips. And so those again are like some of my very core friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still to this day are mm-hmm. doing those trips together. Um, I think that culture change takes a lot of time mm-hmm. Um And so you can have women working there and it's still not necessarily a totally inclusive and welcoming culture, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that the good news is is that um, at GCY, for sure, we really try and and foster a culture that is inclusive. Um, And then I think hopefully that will also – we set a goal that – Um, our field staff or our guides will reflect the diversity of the youth we serve because it doesn't still. Mm. Um, And that takes a lot of work. And so I feel like there's a lot of different kind of, um, I don't know, change that needs to still happen, but and that energy is moving in the right direction and things are not swept under the rug in the same way that they were when I started boating, you know, 20 plus years ago.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm trajectory
1: standpoint is going in the right way and, it is
2: going in the right and there's way there's still some work to do and there's still some work to do <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's yeah still work to do so yeah if you're in that community be attentive to that
2: yeah, yeah. and i think there is there are some really great folks doing great work um mm-hmm. in that in that realm and yeah <laughs> yeah
1: We do ask everyone a question that comes on, joins the podcast, you know, uh, how would you define Flagstaff or how do you connect with this area?
2: I think that um, trying to define Flagstaff is kind of tricky Mm -hmm. because I think it depends on what part of Flagstaff you are in. I think this is a really um, diverse community in some ways, um, in a lot of ways. Um, But for me... I think uh, what I love about being in the nonprofit sector in Flagstaff is that it is a pretty collaborative sector. Like, we're not really competing, and it's not really cutthroat. Like, we all really want to see each other, you know, um, thrive Mm. and be successful. And, like, what are Mm. ways that – like, nobody's coming in being like, we are going to do what you do and try and do it in a different – you know, like, Mm. it's very collaborative. Like, hey, do you want to work together to – accomplish that goal. And so that's something that I love about um, being in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if if I can share a story. Yeah. Um, It's just a funny like Flagstaff (laughs) story since this is a lot of talking about Flagstaff. But I have this really great colleagues group of executive directors from all over the country in Mm -hmm. like Puerto Rico, New York, Detroit, like D.C., um, Colorado and Flagstaff. And so one of my colleagues was talking about that she, that um, her program's based in um, New York city. And she was like, yeah, we're running these school-based programs and you, we go in with our fleece vest on and then they know that we are rugged outdoors people. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was like, everyone. <laughs> so she like finishes up talking and I was like, yeah, if that happened here, like no one would even blink. Like, yeah huh, like we are such this sort of casual, like there's this like casual outdoor sort of vibe to Flagstaff. Yeah. But it was really funny because I'd never really thought about that in yeah. in that context of like, oh. Um, but then it made me think of when we have youth that come from some of those larger cities and we're like, Hey, here are your Chacos or your, you Mm. know, river shoes. They're like, these are ugly. And I would never be caught dead (laughs) wearing these at home. And so just kind of thinking about some of those things that like, what's the, the story of like, you're a fish in water. So you don't really see the water. Like there's a little bit of that to, to being here, I think. Um, And then I love, even though it's Arizona, I love raising like our kids here. Like it's yeah. a really amazing uh, outdoor space. like yeah. you can be in Sedona or in the mountains or I don't know. there's just a lot of like different outdoor spaces to explore. Mm-hmm. We really got into climbing mm-hmm. during Covid, mm-hmm. and I am really loving that. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think, anything else what was that was like the first part of the question did i answer the question i started telling stories instead as i
1: do well those stories are the answers though <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, i did realize yeah. that maybe cody makes fun of me he's he's born and raised and makes fun of me not being born and raised flagstaff and i realized i don't have a, a fleece vest so <laughs> that may be it i'm like i gotta go i gotta yeah after we get done with this i'm gonna head over and get a Please vest yeah and getting yourself some wool socks and some Birkenstocks man yeah. You're good yeah. flag cash yeah. flag cash yeah
2: or you can show up and be at an event like you know different nonprofit event and somebody's wearing like really nice suit and like yeah. nobody like everyone's just like oh you just show up as yeah. you are yeah,
1: yeah. show yeah, up yeah.
2: as you are there's not yeah. a lot of like not nah. rules yeah. around that which is I'm not sure I could do the other. but
1: Well, uh, yeah, on yeah. your profile on the website, they ask, um, every, for everyone, they ask, what's your favorite river? Or they would just put favorite rivers. Do you remember what you put there?
2: Whatever uh, river I'm on.
1: Yeah. whatever Yeah. And early on, when you were talking about that first year, 2003, 2004, yeah, it just really came to me. You said that you you had to just ride what was there. Like the the run you were on was the run you were on, and you just had to do it. And so, yeah, when you said that, I thought about what you put on your (laughs) website and literally it is what you make out of it. Um, And it it requires persistence, endurance. It doesn't mean always feeling comfortable, but kind of adapting and going. So what a cool, what a cool answer. Whichever river you're on, you can make it what it is.
2: Absolutely. And if you're on the river, it's
1: usually... A good thing pretty <laughs> glorious <laughs> something's going right yeah
0: yeah well i feel two ways right now one so happy that you were able to join us today i also feel bummed i feel like we could talk for you we we'll talk with you for like another hour
1: yeah yeah
2: oh yeah <laughs> i mean Hours. i want to ask you some questions about you've got some good books on your i was trying really hard not to get distracted <laughs> when we started i was like Ooh, what's that book
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all just a facade. Yeah. So, You've read none all, of those books. Yeah. <laughs> those are for decoration. They're actually <laughs> fake. They're just <laughs> like, they're just cutouts. You open them up and it's just a key, is all it is. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: still chose them for your decoration. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, good choice. Something.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, just, when there's some like that.
2: color. I'm like, hmm, yeah, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone come check out Cody's books. Yeah. They are organized yeah. by color, that is true. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for joining oh, us, Emma, and we wish you all the best. Thanks for the work that you're doing in this area.
2: Well, thanks. Thanks for a different, something different. Again, 18 years. I've not done this before, so oh, cool. here's to new things. Yeah, and yeah. if
1: you do it again, hopefully you'll have more professional hosts. Yeah,
2: <laughs> not produced, right? Is yeah. that what you're like? Yeah,
1: yeah. This is a very it's underproduced show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs>
0: Outro, maestro. <laughs> we on that outro? We on that outro back in Le Chateau. Back in Le Chateau, images left the space? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Stories. Stories, man I I, I was saying at the end I'd feel bombed that we had to cut it short And I legitimately feel that way Like it was so much fun sitting with her And I felt like she had so many stories And yeah. just just incredible energy That's one thing the podcast missed, right? Like a person's not in this room to, to know what it's like to really sit with her
1: Yeah, now that we've gotten to do interviews more Is what you're saying Since COVID lightened up a yeah. bit Or at least we have the vaccines uh, To be able to maintain a shared space Yeah, for sure So, I mean, it really was like two years in the making yeah And it it was worth it, right? One of the areas I I wished we could have gone deeper into is, um, man, when she would talk about going directions in life, and particularly her move uh, from up north down to to Flagstaff to become the executive director at GCY, um, it's like uh, she would talk about things like if she went in a direction... She would just go in that direction and then commit to it. And in my mind, there was this lingering question about, I wonder how she has so much trust in her intuition um, to know, yeah, this is the right thing. I got to fill this out for a minute, but I only had two days to make a decision. And then, uh, yeah, she would just intuitively go in that direction and commit.
0: Yeah, for sure. I have that image in my mind of her being on the airplane and the passenger next to her be <laughs> yeah, like, are yeah.
1: everything okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a real letdown that we actually didn't have that passenger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: A lot of build up. A
1: lot of letdown. <laughs> little,
0: yeah. Or and a Ford little Keller. build up and a lot of <laughs> yeah, letdown. A lot of letdown. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it comes up for me with that too, is she spoke so clearly to some of her values in life and yeah. then how um at GZY, they use that pandemic to sort of clarify their own values. Yeah. And she mentioned both courage and curiosity as being things that are personal values of hers. Yeah. So when I was thinking of her taking that leap from Washington to, to flagpole. It seems like courage and curiosity both were at play in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, you'd have to be curious to open yourself up to that.
0: Yeah, what a what a move she was describing living in the hotel room and just
1: yeah just adjusting <laughs> finishing up school and, finishing up your master's degree yeah so it sounded like she was like in her last semester of her master's degree crushing that in a hotel room totally. in, a, in a town that you know don't know anyone totally like yeah, yeah just primed for feeling anxious yeah <laughs> and then going up trust. and uh, taking care of your mom flying meeting meeting the group so you're this yeah. is your first time on that river first time as the executive director yeah. first group ever running yeah um for that organization yeah uh, Blamo. right shout out emma
0: shout out emma and she seems like she draws upon her experience on the river to be able to manage those situations right she was describing like you kind of have to work with what's given to you like yeah. if it's raining and you have to make dinner uh, you have to still make dinner like you have to work with those conditions yeah I would just really think that what she does on the river is able to transfer, generalize to how she approaches life, mm-hmm. which makes something like COVID maybe a little more workable, although yeah. not easy. It seemed like she's describing that as her most difficult professional time, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, wow, what a huge uh, luxury and privilege we had to sit and learn more from her. Yeah, no doubt. Remember
0: last interview when Shannon was talking about Flagstaff, good-hearted was mm-hmm. her word, mm-hmm. and I just think of like, man, there are a lot of people in Flagpole just mm-hmm. good heart. And Emma to me really sort of symbolizes her, mm-hmm. yeah, signals that
1: that good-heartedness. Yeah. All right, well, why don't you take us out by shouting us out?
0: No doubt. You can always find us on the interwebs at www.beyondflag.com. Flag spelled F-L-G. And always just constant churning out content. Content after content with so much more content on Instagram and the Twitter contents. And you can find us there at beyond underscore flag also.
1: Yeah. Do you know what I realized we were the other day? The other day I realized that we're content creators. I mean, just constant content creators yeah
0: along with how many people Four billion. <laughs> like four billion other content creators
1: does it count can you still use that title of the contents like
0: yeah sporadic i think dan and i are both both asking that question genuinely so if anyone has any sort of insight <laughs> into what is and is not a content creator if you can let us know i'm
1: wondering where we stand actually just let us know if you view us as one or not and if if we get one vote <laughs> It's being defined as a content yeah. creator, yeah, I'll see that as a real. Wow, well, I don't even know. Yeah, so how about like under
0: this post for Emma's interview? If you just put yes, <laughs> we'll understand that we're a content creator. If you put no, we'll just understand that we are not content creators. That sounds good. <laughs> oh man. But in the meantime, huh?
1: Take care. Love you.